0: This is POW, also known as POW Astrology, on Twitter, and I'm here with Mo, known as Australtor, on Twitter. And we are starting our new series on the Deccans. So Mo and I had been talking about, you know, as we were planning this podcast, or right, we were trying to think of just different topics we wanted to do, and we decided that we wanted to cover each of the decans and each of the signs. And this episode is actually gonna start with Aquarius, but we'll dive into that in a bit, um, just because you know it's Aquarius season. And, um, but first, yeah, um, we wanted to talk about why we wanted to do this series and also just do an introduction to what the Deccans even are. So anything else to add to that, Mo?
1: I mean, yeah, so I know a lot of us only think about Deccans in terms of, oh, like, uh, February Pisces is different from March Pisces, but I mean, yes, but there are, There are all these um, little subdivisions of the zodiac that I feel a lot of people don't appreciate or take for granted. And the decans are kind of like, I would say if you had to think of essential dignity as like in terms of like different tiers, um, the decans are probably like one of the lower tiers of dignity, but even so, um, they provide a rich interpretation of, you know, a particular planet and its influence. And so, um, basically, decans, I mean, decans are like divisions of 10 degrees, because, you know, deca is 10, right? And the idea is that in a 360-degree zodiac, there are 36 divisions of 10. And where this came from is probably the um, Egyptians because they actually had a series of 36 um, sort of periods, which would define um, their year, depending on which Deccan was rising, right? And this was the basis of their calendar, not only that, but they also seem to have like a lot of medical uses and there seemed to be like gods or deities assigned to them but um the gods had specific purposes like to protect the natives from certain things or to you know petition uh or appease like a more malefic influence so that bad things wouldn't happen so um if anybody's like had the chance to skim um various translations of i think it what is it called i have the pdf pulled up it's like the sacred book of Hermes to Asclepius. And it just describes each of the Deccans, their associated deities, what their names were, I guess, and how you would make like talismans for them just to have like whatever the protective or mitigating effects of that deity were. Um, and then as you know, as some of you may or may not know, um, you know, when the Greeks colonized Egypt, they kind of took this, um, their like 12 sign system and merged it with the Deccans in order to get what we understand as Western astrology, basically in its current inception, more or less.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, in just the easiest way to look at it, right, is each sign's broken up into three decans because, as Mo said, they're each about 10 degrees in size, like each sign's about 30 degrees each, and a 360 degree zodiac. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the five um, things that you could kind of look at in terms of essential dignity, which is what it's referred to in traditional astrology. So, um you know, for those of you who are familiar with it, like each sign is ruled by a planet, right? Um, and each, each planet rules at least one or two different signs. Um, and there's rulership by domicile, that's rulership by domicile. But planets could also rule a sign by exaltation, by triplicity, by bound, which is also known as term. And then this fifth um, dignity is decan, also known as face. Um, as Mo had said earlier, like dignity by decan is considered the weakest, of the five um though there is a source that says um you know firmicus who is an astrologer from way back when um apparently he disagreed and he thought that planets in their own decan are just as strong as planets in their own domicile which i think is an interesting take um but i mean i think one thing like traditional astrologers can agree on is um it's not something to sleep on like a planet in its own decan has some power it's still like better than just being having no- nothing at all
1: yeah, and I mean, there are other sources, I can't remember them off the top of my head, that say that they may not go as far as Fermicus, but planets that even are in their own decking or in their own bounds, which is beyond the scope of this, kind of, they don't operate like planets that are truly peregrine, or like that don't have dignity, or like planets that are truly busted, like they have some power to do something, but in a very limited sphere. And I think anybody who's had the chance to either read um, the older version of Austin Coppock's um, 36 Faces or um, had the chance to listen to his most recent um, workshop uh, at Norwalk last year on um, the Deccans will realize that there are sort of um, special talents or themes that come up when the Deccans are introduced. Uh, and then for those of you who are into um, tarot astrology as um, Tysolay coined on Twitter before they banned her account, um, you'll quickly notice that the Deccans actually have correspondences to certain tarot cards, which is really good for not only understanding tarot better, but also, um, just enhancing your tarot by thinking about timing and prediction as well so there's that too
0: huh I never thought of that last one like I am um so I got into astrology first and only recently started getting into tarot so knowing the decans has definitely helped me with like learning tarot and understanding the different cards
1: um oh my god yes like the thing is especially for the cards that are harder to understand like for me one of the cards I struggle with is the nine of wands especially because as you'll know like different decks emphasize different parts of the archetype right and so learning about that middle decan of Sagittarius actually helped me understand the imagery on the card better because it's like a defensive position, right? And you're defending something. And I'm like, wait a second, that makes sense. And now it's like clicking for me. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the other thing, um, so yeah, we'll definitely talk about the tarot associations with each of the Deccans. Um, I think the other thing I wanted to note about the Deccans is that there's different, there's, um, there's two, uh, there's technically three. I'll talk about the first two, though, because those are the ones we're really going to look at. Um, that's what most astrologers, um, including Austin Copic, um, look at. But there's two different orders of rulership for the Deccans. So um, the first one, Ptolemaic order, which if you pull charts on astro.com, which I think a lot of people do, it's referred to as Chaldean Deccans on that site. So The way this one works is it starts with Mars in the first decan of Aries and then goes in the order of slowest to fastest planets. So that's like Mars, Sun, Venus, Mercury, Moon, Saturn, Jupiter, and then it just starts that order again. And so that's how the rulerships are assigned in Ptolemaic. Um, And then there's triplicity order, which is referred to as traditional decans on astro.com. And these decans um, are ruled by that sign's triplicity lords. So the first decan of each sign is always ruled by the domicile lord. Like, for example, the first decan of Cancer is ruled by the moon. As for this third order, because it it is on Astro. I didn't even know this third order existed until I went on Astro. And I saw that there is something called Manilius decans on Astro.com. So I did very, very quick research on this. And Manilius decans assign the decans to signs, not planets. Like, these decans are ruled by a sign. And... There's other instances of Manilius like avoiding significations in rulerships of planets. Um, and this is something I definitely want to like, like, kind of look into more because it's not, he doesn't do this for just decans. I think there's just other ways that he's like, try to assign rulership to signs instead of planets. It's really interesting.
1: Wait a second. So, okay, like what, okay. So, and then I'm guessing, cause I haven't looked into Manilius decans. Um, because clearly he seems to be the only person who emphasizes signs over planets, which most of astrolog- most astrologers didn't do. Um, I just wonder if like the order of those decans, you know, kind of like how the Chaldean decans start and end with Mars once you go from Aries all the way to Pisces, is he doing the same Thing. i
0: just pulled it up and hold on let me see yes he does do the same thing so the first decan of aries is aries and then it just goes in zodiacal order from there because the next one's taurus and gemini and then when you get into taurus then it's like cancer leo virgo um yeah it's very strange so he basically just goes around all 12 signs and just is starting with um aries
1: um I don't know what to say to that um I mean
0: I, you know astrologers has been having hot takes since I guess like I mean yeah
1: there's always it, it doesn't matter what area you're in there's always that one person <laughs> special right
0: <laughs> yeah for real so um maybe we could talk about, like, how to use Deccans. You already kind of started talking about a little bit, but maybe you can start either by, like, your own research on it, or maybe just even how you personally use Deccans as an astrologer.
1: Okay, so, I mean, I've been, I would say for the past few months, I've been slowly working them into my readings, whether via tarot or, um, well, actually, no, I've done more with incorporating the Deccans, um, with tarot for a while, but I've recently started incorporating them more into my astrological interpretations. So if you have ordered a reading for me, whether I've delivered it or have yet to deliver it, you will find that, um, you know, those interpretations are in there. And so I always try to take notice of when someone has a planet in Deccan that is associated with it, whether it's via the Chaldean Deccan or the traditional um, or the rulership method. And I found that the symbolism is very, it's very potent and it's not subtle, um, especially when you add the Deccans on top of other dignities or when you look at the Deccans of planets that um, rule the angles or, you know, the sect light. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, as we go through our examples today um, we can um, kind of explore what that means for like the sun moon and rising at least because those are the placements that most people will interface with but I will say that like I've been getting a lot of Saturn and Aquarius clients um, and so most of them have either been like first decan or third decan Aquarius, Saturn. For some reason, I'm not getting the middle ones. I don't know why, but um, yeah. And just seeing the role that Saturn is playing in those nativities is really interesting and how the energy is different. And I find that, um, you know, Saturn in Aquarius one is um, quite potent, <laughs> especially if it rules like, you um, you know, like your home and family situation, or yourself and your identity, you know? So, yeah, how do you use the decans, if you feel? You know, them? I'm,
0: it's something I'm definitely still, like, trying to explore as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm starting to learn tarot, so that's been, like, super helpful in learning that. But in terms of my readings, like I will, I, I'll definitely, I always look at Deccans in terms of like, like the way I prepare for my natal chart readings is I like basically like try to like determine what the condition of each planet is. Right. And like, I, I look at Deccans and make sure, um, and see if there's any planets that roll their own Deccans. And sometimes I do think it's like worth noting in a reading, like whether, you know, someone has like, Venus and Virgo in like that Venus rule Deccan, right? Like, um, especially if it's also in the term too. It's just like, oh, that's like even though Venus is in its fall in Virgo, like if it's like got like and like, there's also a possibility for triple city rulership too. It's just like, oh, that's great. Um So I will make those kind of mentions. And then, um, and then, yeah, when it comes to horary and electional astrology too, like, I think it's also important to like, look at Deccan, just like any of the other essential dignities as well. So um, that's kind of basically how I use them. And I'm still just like really trying to explore like how um, just much further I can go with the Deccans and how much. Like, there, there is this balance, right, of just being like, okay, like, I get a lot of clients who are very new to astrology and, like, they are still even just understanding the signs and just, like, basic domicile rulership. And it's like, how much do I really kind of throw Deccans in there and make sure people don't get, like, too distracted by this, you know? Like, some people will describe it as, like, yeah, it's, like, good, but sometimes it's, like, a little bit, like, icing on a cake where it's, like, you don't need it to really understand a chart, but it does add some extra layers and, like, flavor to, like,
1: understanding the chart. I mean, no, I agree. I think, like, the way I try to structure my readings is, because I'm doing written consults right now, I'm not verbal yet, so I think, like, for me, it's good to, like, I think I'm going to spend the next, like, year just, like, transitioning out of um, written consults, but, like, the written consults are nice because it's, like, a record of i'm observing and then people can give me feedback like in the comments or like they'll write me something nice and say oh this is really resonating right but i find that like it helps to kind of root people into like this is the nature of like the sign overall sign what that means for the planet in terms of dignity and like just the overall vibe and then i'll add okay but um, having this placement and this decan kind of adds this flavor. And then I kind of, you kind of have to like weave it in with the overall meaning of the sign as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as I've gotten more comfortable doing it, like it's, it's like, okay, I can't like, I can't undo it now. Cause it's like, I'm starting to appreciate the differences between different parts of a sign and like how, planet behaves in like different parts of the sun so I think it's definitely something that if you can slowly start to incorporate it it's very valuable
0: yeah um I do want to make one correction to something I said earlier so I was looking at when I was talking about the two different orders I said that triplicity order is traditional decans on astro.com but I actually just look and um very like ironically, traditional Deccans uses um the outer planets
1: <laughs> for rulership.
0: <laughs> so, so you may I mean if you yeah, I mean you do you if you use outer planets it's for rulership. The same,
1: Okay, it's like the same, like the concept is the same, but like if you really want to get more bang for your buck, switch out the modern rulers with the trad rulers because um not you know like I know there are lots of discussions about how to use the modern rulers you know you do you but at the same time like with certain things it's like the structure seems to work better especially depending on the kind of astrology you want to do like especially if you're looking for something more predictive in nature um it's you probably get more bang for your buck if you use like the travelers and use the modern planets as modifiers I that's like just, that that's been that you know that's that's what's worked for me um but again I think it also comes down to your like philosophical assumptions about the outers and what they're doing and you know that's a debate for another day <laughs> yeah
0: so yeah, if you're on astro.com, you could you could, you could toggle traditional decans. Um, but if you really want to use traditional rulerships like we do, like swap out, um, you know, they say Uranus, Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. So you would swap out Uranus with Saturn, Pisces is ruled by Neptune. And you, so you'd swap out Neptune with Jupiter. And then that Scorpio is ruled by Pluto. So swap out Pluto with Mars. Um, and then that's what those decans would be or those decan rulerships would be. Um, Anything else you want to share in terms of just like how to use the Deccans or should we just jump into um, what we're going to talk about today, which is the Aquarius, the three Aquarius Deccans?
1: I mean, no, I think we should jump into it, but I think first we should like discuss Aquarius, the archetype, because I think that will um, give people an appreciation for like what the Deccans mean in Aquarius specifically, because I mean... Yeah, the Deccans have planetary rulers, but having a Mercury-ruled Deccan in Aquarius or um, a Saturn-ruled Deccan in Aquarius is very different from the ones in other signs of the zodiac. So yeah, we can start out with the Aquarian archetype if you'd like.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great idea. First of all, just happy Aquarius season to those Aquarians out there listening. It's your season. And yeah, I mean, in terms of just the archetype, I think just some of the buzzwords you hear most common with Aquarius is like that they're um, humanitarians, a word that comes up a lot. Um, um, you know, folks who are just kind of really just like countercultural, and um, you know, those are just some of the kind of like weirdos. <laughs> I know, and I could see Mo is like cringing right now. <laughs> I think some of that comes from like the modern associations now with Aquarius and Uranus. That, that is to me a little tragic because it means like people forget that Aquarius is a Saturn traditionally a Saturn world sign and Saturn <laughs> the the, the uh, like the significations for Saturn are limits and boundaries and traditions. well
1: yeah but then like if you think of the mythology of Saturn like it was Saturn who fucking killed his dad Uranus the fuck like I mean people want to say Uranus is this like weird. It's like, no, Saturn did the killing. He dethroned his father, who was the usurper. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, he, like, the mythology of Saturn, like, is peak Aquarius. Like, you cannot make this shit up. It's like, I unionized with my siblings against my parents and their generation. So we dethroned them and we became the new status quo but then out of fear of my children outdoing me i ate them like i mean i feel like that's very like you can see the the capricorn parts of saturn and the aquarius parts of saturn the capricorn part was the active mm, establishing new foundation, right? Because Capricorn is all about that. And I think the, take, like stripping away the um, rulership of Saturn from Aquarius prevents us from realizing the duality of Saturn because all the planets have a duality except the luminaries, right? And it's not fair to Saturn and Jupiter and Mars, like the planets that are slower moving of the visible that you strip them of their duality and appreciating the range of the archetype because it's like Saturn's not just this like preserver of structure. And like the way people talk about Capricorn is like it's a fixed sign. Capricorn is cardinal. Cardinal signs like change, okay? Aquarius is a fixed sign. Fixed signs do not like change at all, okay? Like the Saturn overthrowing, Uranus, Uranus, that's the Capricorn part, okay, new structure, who this, and then the eating my children so they don't just, you know, overthrow me is the Aquarius part. I'm maintaining the structure because this is what works, right, and I already know that, you know, these cycles of um, regime change are inevitable, like, so what I like about Aquarius is I'm thinking of something that actually came up in my reading with Amaya. This wasn't about Aquarius, but this was about Gemini, another air sign. And I think air signs are signs of evolution, right? Because earth signs are like really stabilizing and grounding, right? And then air signs are like, okay, let's move this. Like things have been stagnant, let's move. It's more fluid, right? And so I think that, um, Aquarius is aware of the cycles of evolution and like time is a Saturnian concept like and Aquarius isn't just like the innovator there's a huge nostalgic piece with Aquarius sometimes it's like yes there's a future that I want but sometimes it's like let's bring the past back because it was better right Yeah.
0: yeah I think the fixed air thing is just so real, right? Like like you said, if air signs are all about movement and fixed signs want things to be constant, then Aquarius is going to be about constant movement. And that could be in any direction. Like, yeah, it could be forward moving, it could be progress, but like you said, it could also be going back to the way things are. Like when I think of Aquarius, I just think like the strong, like quality control type energy where it's like, okay, if Capricorn is about establishing structures and like kind of building new things, like because it's a cardinal sign, aquarius is really like okay let's like look at these like constantly just like assessing these structures and determining like what's working like how do we make it better like what's not working how do we either change or completely toss it out there's just like yeah this yeah people have to really keep in mind this is an air sign it's not a water sign um and that um yeah fixed air is like kind of that need for things to just like keep moving um and yeah I think the other thing to just kind of note with the dif- the difference between like like yeah it is interesting that both capricorn and aquarius are Saturn ruled signs they're also the only two signs where like they're ruled by the same planet back to back which is this classic Saturn that's like Saturn's the slowest moving planet and we got to deal like with its rulership like just kind of back to back like that and um and yeah I Saturn you know arguably has more strength in Aquarius than it does in Capricorn because Saturn is a day sect planet and it um and Aquarius is you know as an air sign and um and you know Saturn not only has a domicile ruler rulership in Aquarius but in a day chart will also have triplicity rulership there so um yeah there's just like kind of some interesting strength that saturn has in aquarius that capricorn doesn't quite have
1: no for sure um another thing is that um you know like uh just bringing in tarot a bit like um you know aquarius is ruled by the star classically And you know, this is a card of um, gradual, like, you know, aspiring to something. There's There's this thing you see in the distance and you're like only half paying attention to what's going on now. Because everything you do is to keep building towards this idealized future. Or in the case of some Aquarians to bring back an idealized past, right? It's, and I think what people don't realize about Aquarius is that Yes, the circumstances might be different, but the idea and the goal is the same. And I think, you know, just to bring up like examples of people, I'm thinking of like Amy Coney Barrett. Like, <laughs> she's like literally the perfect example because she's so many planets in Aquarius, and people think Aquarius is the innovator and the you know um, humanitarian, right? Um what's your definition of humanitarian? What's your definition of innovator? And it's interesting that her whole, um, first of all, it's interesting that she's on the Supreme Court because when everybody everybody has this like um, debate about which of the three branches of the US government is the, um, are each of the air signs. And I'm like, the Supreme Court is Aquarius. It's all about gradual incremental change. Aquarius does like change, but not like the hell of it like it has to match the principles and aquarius has to say okay here are the rules that we came up with does this go is this allowed within our rules Mm, nope we're not doing that or yeah that's allowed this can change right um sorry to anybody who says libra but that's the executive branch they make all the on the fly decisions and they have to consult everybody right and then I'd say, like, the back and forth with the legislative branch is Gemini because, you know, it's dialogue, it's back and forth, there's debate. <laughs> right. Whereas, like, as we've seen with Joe Biden in the past few days, you just sign an executive order and you just do what you want sometimes. Like, sometimes you can do that. Hello, cardinal energy. And, um, I really think that Amy Coney Barrett's a good example because her whole shtick is um, originalism and the idea is that the framers of the Constitution had a very specific idea in mind, whatever that is, and that guides her decision making and that's very Aquarian of her.
0: I'm really glad you brought up Amy Comey Barrett as an example, because I think another thing that helps me understand signs, including Aquarius, right, is not only to look at the planet that rules it, but the planets that are in detriment or fall in there. And the planet that's in its detriment in Aquarius is the sun. And I think another kind of big archetype with Aquarius is just being about the collective and the greater good. And that like just it goes across the span of just like political spectrum of just like various just like belief systems and so yeah I, I really I yeah I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Amy Comey Barrett just like really fucking like you know upholds and believes in these conservative morals and standards and um really kind of sees her role at the Supreme Court like in this way right it's just all about the greater good it's like all about the collective
1: yeah i definitely agree and i think that um it's kind of her claim to authority right and i think it's very telling that her son is conjunct the north node aka rahu in that first decade and i mean we can go more into like each of the individual decades i think this is a good like transition point into describing them i guess like
0: yes let's start with so yeah aquarius Deccan one and this Deccan is ruled by venus in that first like rulership order and then saturn mm-hmm. so this you know for those of you who've listened to or who've read austin's books or have listened to his workshops he refers to this decan as the mark of exile and the tarot card that's associated with this, the five of swords. And so yeah, there's like a lot we could kind of go into in just this Aquarius Deccan. Um, my mid-heavens in this deccan. So um I personally have a lot to say about it. But for me, I, I think my take on this deccan is um yeah, I do think um. I think there is like a questioning and sometimes like a rejection of like what is like mainstream and standard in this Deccan. But again, like, I think like, yeah, I, I really like want people to just be mindful and critical of just like being like, Oh, all Aquarians are like innovative and progressive. Like it doesn't have to be just that. But I think it is kind of just like that kind of thinking outside the box of just like standards and norms. So for me, for example, like my midheaven is here and Um, my current career as a community organizer for a labor union, I think this tracks with this perfectly. Like, it's just not the kind of job you get taught about at job fairs or anything. Like, I didn't even realize this was a job until I was, like, doing it. And, um, but Mm -hmm. I think even outside of just even this one particular job, like, I think I'm always gonna just thrive in careers that don't really kind of fit, like, a standard or, like, quite fit, like, a mold. And... Um, For me, that's just been my experience with um, this Deccan.
1: Uh, No, I think that's a great um, point. And, you know, like it's interesting that you brought up the Midheaven because so the Deccans do show up for your um, career, by the way. So do pay attention to the Midheaven's Deccan because the planetary, like, rulers of that Deccan and, you know, just the symbolism of the Deccan comes through. And I think it's interesting that like your job is like working for a labor union and you're probably challenging normative standards in mistreating workers so like it makes sense it tracks right
0: yeah and then the fact that it's like ruled the seconds ruled by Venus and Saturn and depending on which order you want to use we're going to look at both and the, for me, the Venus just really tracks because a lot of community organizing is not just like screaming into a bullhorn and just like talking about like issues. It's actually like, like, it's quite venusian. It's bringing people together and just like really unifying people or in my case, workers around like a common cause.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I actually took the liberty of going through and like finding like different sources that Austin might hold from like to put things together and um, some interesting ones I found was that there's like this one website. I think we can like link it in a description page somewhere um, that has like the descriptions that are in the Picatrix, Ibn Ezra, and Agrippa. But then I also found um, a PDF of the Yavana Jataka, which is like this it's like this Indian Greek astrological text where there seems to have been some kind of transmission between like. Indian astrologers and um, Greek astrologers at some point in ancient times and someone translated it and put it on the internet so it was great and so I think it's interesting how like a lot of the symbolism is about like people who are you know skilled in making creative things or like doing magic or you know but it's described as a like the way that the person who's doing this interesting thing um is usually described in not nice terms like the person is seen as negative or outcast or um you know somebody who doesn't have a lot and I mean I, I do side eye a lot of the descriptions of the deccans like that describe some of these people as having dark skin it bothers me not gonna lie so that's something to be aware of if you decide to like go that route and look for some of the symbolism and that's something to unpack another day. But like there's this description of somebody who is like not fitting within the norms but creating something either interesting, useful or um, potentially um, something you could potentially profit from. But something that struck me was the Yavanajataka's description of the first decan of Aquarius. And I'm just gonna read it. So this person is born a wise man who is devoted to firm deeds, fond of life and pure and tranquility, is wealthy and wide-eyed and makes offering to the gods, but his weaknesses are women and drink and he has many enemies. Like I ignore the parts about, you know, having all these vices, but I am looking at the having many enemies piece. And I'm thinking about Amy Coney Barrett's son and North Node conjunction in the beginning of Aquarius. And she's definitely someone who probably has a lot of, like look at so many people opposed to her being put on the Supreme Court because her ideas, even though she believes that her ideas are, you know, um, closest to, you know, the purest intentions of, you know, the American project, her ideas may hurt people, but she thinks she's doing—I don't know—God's work. And I mean, she's super religious, so she does think she's doing God's work, literally, through her job on the court. I mean, I don't know how—I don't know how you could like ignore that symbolism. You really can't. <laughs> it's so um, loud. And then, I believe Mitch McConnell has his. Venus and Mercury in this decan. I mean, we don't have a time chart for him, so I don't know. No, actually, Mercury's in the second decan, so we'll come back to Mercury. But um, Venus is in this decan for him, and I think Venus rules. Venus is like the Chaldean ruler of this decan, and I don't know how his love life went. I don't know anything about his relationships, but. Venus can also have to do with things of value and um, negotiations, right? And Venus's opposite is Leo Pluto. And I mean, I'm just thinking about his themes around like determining value or like social norms and social harmony, right? And He's not really well known for that. And like, if anything, I think that his Venus placement kind of vibes well with the Five of Swords in Tarot, which is, you know, it's a card that's associated with, I know Austin didn't like that card, like in relationship to like the Deccan, but I've actually been sitting with that one for a bit. And I think it works pretty well because the thing is like, if we take out the, you know, deceptive or underhanded themes of um, the five of swords, they're themes of like rejection or defeat or loss, right?
0: Mm.
1: Or maybe like in one of the decks that I have, I've seen where it's like, okay, somebody has scored a victory or is like has like an extra trick up their sleeve, but like it's something that people don't appreciate and then they feel rejected for it. And I think the five of swords speaks to this need to not be paranoid about how people perceive you, even if they don't appreciate the things that you have to offer or the insights you have to offer because the swords are all about, you know, the intellect, the mind, communication, right? And you might have ideas or communications that people might not like, and your approach might be, you know, secretive, um, sometimes underhanded, but you can't, like, resort to shady means all the time just because people don't agree with you. And I think the Five of Swords just speaks to the consequences of that.
0: Yeah. Right? Um. I wanna, so back, you were talking about Mitch McConnell and you were saying you didn't know very much about his relationship life. Like I did a quick Googling because I did vaguely recall that he was, he is married to someone significant and Mm -hmm. yeah, his wife's Elaine Chao, who just like right, you know, right as soon as the coup ended, she resigned from her cabinet position. She was secretary of transportation under Trump, but even prior to that, she was secretary of labor (laughs) under George W. Bush. And so- um, I think it's really actually really fascinating that they're both obviously very like public figures and really powerful mm-hmm. people don't hear too much about their relationship
1: um, but No wasn't um, he married before like to someone was. Uh,
0: Yes he was re- married to a woman named Cheryl Redman and they got a divorce um, like a while back like 1980 and interestingly she became a feminist scholar and I think oh I may still be a person.
1: Oh my Oh my <laughs> god actually no now that you think about it that tracks because he has that retrograde venus in aquarius and it's funny how like his first wife left because she wanted to go off and like um i guess do something more progressive but it's interesting because i've also read his biography and like compared to other republicans like back in the day he was more progressive mitch mcconnell
0: yeah wow
1: he went into civil rights and all this other stuff and then over time he just became more reactionary conservative like it's weird yeah i wonder
0: if we'll like over time like learn more i I can only imagine what their household like mitch and elaine chow's household was like in the mid like this month right like just like oh my god what do we do like she fucking resigns from like Trump's administration, Mm -hmm. he also starts just kind of like backing away from like this association with Trump. Like, damn, must've been in the times. Um, Um, I did want to bring up a couple other examples um, because I did think you brought up some really good points. Like even just tying in like the conflict and the Five of Swords and stuff. um, Mm -hmm. I look at people who have their son in the first second of Aquarius. And one person who does is Kid Cudi. Which um, my initial reaction is just like, oh, yeah, I mean, like Kid Cudi's music is very like, I, I can't think of too many other artists who I could compare <laughs> his like music to because it is, um, you know, it is unique. It is kind of just like way different than what mainstream hip hop sounds like but i think yeah. the other thing people know about kid cuddy is he has so much beef <laughs> with so many other rappers which is why it might also be why he just isn't as big of a name like you know he had beef with drake <laughs> like a few years back and um i don't know where that ended up but kid cuddy is the one and then i thought another very interesting example was um tiffany amber Thiessen, who played kelly kapowski at saved by the bell has her son in the second and the eighth house and mm-hmm. um, she may not be what people like, initially think about with like Aquarius, but she, um, you know, she plays, she, she was playing this girl next door at Saved by the Bell and then she continued to play like a very similar role um, in 90210. But mm-hmm. I was reading a really interesting article that like while she was in 90210, she really wanted to kind of transition into like more of like a sex symbol type of like role. And she auditioned for, um, one of the James Bond movies and she didn't get it. Denise Richards got it instead. And she said it was just extremely like devastating for her. And it was just like a real, just like kind of breaking her identity. Um, she ended up running away to Montana and like lived there for years. She eventually obviously came back and she still does acting and stuff now, but, um, even just, like, her, like, literal move to, like, fucking Montana just, like, made me think of just, like, (laughs) the fact that this decan is termed, like, the mark of exile, like, I know in Austin's workshop, he has mentioned that he has seen placement, but people with these placements just, like, also just, like, literally moving and being somewhere else.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, so you're gonna laugh. So, um, I looked up more people with, like, the rising but also the moon, and I just found that, um, Andrew Yang, (laughs) who- and for um president and i think he's currently running for mayor of new york yes um he's got like an aquarius stellium in literally the first decade literally the moon uh mercury and venus in the first decade of all aquarius. in the
0: first second Jeez, wow yes in his
1: second whole sign house like oh my god you can't make this up so like i think it's really interesting how now i'm just realizing he's being like tied in with this whole like Um, because the moon is a sect light, like he's being tied in with this like Saturn, Jupiter stuff because the mean conjunction is pretty close to his moon. Uh, I don't know what's going on in his relationships or his private life, but I mean, that seems pretty relevant. And I think it's funny how the ruler of his 10th whole sign house is here. And he's been advocating for uh, UBI really seriously and he's like trying to seek authority on the basis of this. And you know what? Like, uh, how old is he now? 45, no 46. Okay, like, so I think like last year or the year before was like him seriously running on this premise of like universal basic income but I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I've actually
0: found, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm noticing more and more that, so he, he's now in an 11th house perfection year and he's now right mm-hmm. there. Like I would have to look at his whole chart to like make any real predictions, but I've found oftentimes that people really kind of reap the rewards of their, like the hard work they put into a 10th house year in the 11th house year. Like I... Tend to see kind of sometimes like bigger career shifts or like, you know, releases of things or something like in the 11th house year. So I'm really curious to see what ends up happening with this mayoral yeah. race. I have no idea who he's running against, even, but the fact that he's the only one I know so far is running, I don't live in New York or anything like um, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He, he really made a name for himself on the presidential campaign. I do, yeah. um, this is just like a quick aside, but I do love like studying the decans by looking at people who have like Stellia in their Stellium in a sign because you can, right. like, I have a Leo Stellium and it's like, I don't have any like planets in the first decan of Leo, but I do have it in the second the third, and third. It just helps me when not just with my own chart, but just looking at people with Stellium, it helps me to really, really understand the decans. I had no idea Henry had a Stellium Aquarius. That sounds like a great chart example.
1: Hmm. I don't know, like, I I wonder if there's like something um, seemingly unconventional about his um, relationships. Oh, but um, so Venus rules his, um, Venus rules his fifth house and something that he talks about is like advocating for his um, son who has autism. And I mean, I hope he's not supporting Autism Speaks, which, you know, is a hate group, and he's centering, um, you know, um, autism foundations that are, you know, led by people who actually have autism and advocate for society to be more accommodating towards them, but I think that's really interesting that that shows up there, that he's an advocate for, you know, his child, but also that he is, um, someone who's advocated for universal basic income and like the fact that this is all happening in his second house is pretty loud right yeah, um, yeah i didn't know
0: that but that totally tracks about that house it really
1: it really tracks um do you have any other like interesting examples
0: no i don't i mean if you don't i mean i'm ready to move on to the second decade of Aquarius.
1: i feel like there aren't as many like Um what's it called? There aren't as many like first decan examples that I like in terms of like the moon or the ascendant. I mean, no, a lot of the good ones are like later. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, let me check, let me check Princess Diana's chart because I know she's in Aquarius moon. I think she's third decan though. I'm pretty sure she's third Deccan, but I could be wrong. Yeah, she's third Deccan, so we'll talk about her later. No, wait, but she has Jupiter in the first decan, and it rules her ascendant. Oh. She has Jupiter in that first decan of Aquarius, ruling her Saturizing. And I think that's pretty telling. Like, she was this very, like, polarizing figure for some people because she wanted to, I guess, and it's interesting that's it's in the third house because, you know, the third house is, like, you know, extended family. So, like, you know, again, the sense that her extended family rejected her. Um, like, the family she married into, I mean. But um, also, like, the third house is, like, media, the tabloids. Like, she was constantly being talked about for, you know, her humanity. I think she had a lot of like unconventional approaches to like humanitarian efforts because Jupiter's also like a planet of like inclusion. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny that it's in contra-antition with um, her Taurus Venus. And Venus is like the general significator of um, relationships is pretty loud, but also like her it's also the ruler of her midheaven and 11th house. So it's like, she was kind of like the way she wanted to be. And like, I guess she wanted to be like with the people because the third house is also like the people you see every day, common people, things like that, right? Yeah. Instead of melding with high society. So like, that's pretty loud actually. Hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I just noticed that. Uh,
0: that's a good example
1: too but she brought a lot of attention to like some really good causes though so even though it wasn't the most positive experience for her right Um, uh
0: I mean it it is a trip that like I mean it's been how many years now since she unfortunately passed in a really tragic way but people we constantly still talk about her (laughs) and yeah
1: yeah um no, for sure. And um yeah, something about the fourth house also ruling family um in that first decade is also pretty telling, like just the unconventional nature of her approach to just raising her children or how she wanted to be with them and things like that. Yeah. It's pretty notable. Yeah. The yeah, second decade.
0: <laughs> second Deccan of aquarius um this one is a double mercury ruled one so both of the different um orders of rulership this decan's ruled by mercury um austin refers to this one as like the heaven and earth decan and the tarot card associated with this is the six of swords to me like both kind of scream just like a transition right or um or just kind of navigating between like these various like dichotomies, whether it's yeah like the title just like heaven and earth, or if it's like the known versus unknown or like what's real, like what's not real. Um, and to me that really encompasses the double Mercury because like that, that is just like one of the significations of Mercury is just kind of constantly dealing with um, transitions um, and just that like, kind of traveling between like multiple different like worlds and spaces
1: yeah I'm thinking about like I would say to some extent like I feel like the middle decans of all the air signs have something to do with like bridging gaps or duality I would say more so for like Libra and Libra 2 and um, Aquarius 2 it's more about like this go-between kind of
0: yeah, Gemini 2 is a little bit more like, oh, let's just do all of it. Like, why, why can't we
1: do we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like, at least Gemini 2 is like, narrowing it down to two. Like, one was like, yeah, let's do all the things. Then it's like, oh, but this, and then, oh, but that. But like, no, I think that, you know, a lot of the turmoil in the earlier second decans of the air signs, I feel like Aquarius' second decan is just kind of like, Uh, I don't want to say, like, it gets resolved, but it's, like, there's more of an attempt to, like, form a bridge or connect, because, like, whereas the middle decan of Gemini is kind of, like, uh, I'm waffling between the two, and then Libra 2 is, like, I'm sacrificing one, right, I'm sacrificing because commitment, right, and then Aquarius is, like, hmm, everything is just this, if we think about Aquarius as, like, the gatekeeper of, like, time and innovation, right? Mm. Because it's kind of what they are. They're like seeing trends that people aren't paying attention to because they see the natural gradual progression of things. And they're in in a position to decide, you know, which way we should go in that progression, right? Because it's not like you only go in one direction, you can go in either direction. And that's kind of what like, uh, you know, gatekeeper on the bridge or like, you know, um, the person who's like, you know, canoeing you across, like between two sides. It's like, okay, once I get you to the other side, I can come back and like either take you back or um, get other people. And I think that the symbolism of the um, Six of Swords is very apt for that. And I think it's interesting that the sixes are They correspond to the fixed, the fixed middle decans and sixes are associated with like support and resources or like how people around you, you know, like can connect you to things. Right. And so in this situation, it's like, okay, I'm trying to help people transition either crossover between like this idea or that idea, or I'm trying to help people negotiate or, you know, things like that, and I think it's telling that, um, Austin's associated this with, like, commerce, and trade, and business skills, right, and so I'm going to come back to Mitch McConnell, who has his, um, Mercury in this decade, like, at the very beginning, but retrograde, and it's, like, okay, like, say what you want about Mitch. I'm not saying he's a good person at all, but, like, There's a reason that he is, um, he was Senate Majority Leader for quite some time. Like, there's a reason for that because he knows how to, you know, play the game strategically, right? And it's kind of what he has to do now. And I think it's interesting that his Mercury return is, his extended Mercury return is this retrograde, right? And it's gonna call into question his ability to, um, you know, negotiate the fate of the Republican party as we know it, right? Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah.
0: In terms of other chart examples, I, again, I looked at people who have their son in Aquarius too. And keep in mind again, right? Like the sun is in its detriment in Aquarius. So I always say this is kind of interesting to just kind of see. Um, how plants in detriment or fall can do in the various decades. Anyway, um, one person who has their son in Aquarius 2 is Tinashe, and she has it in her 10th house. Her first album is literally called Aquarius like she's a very very (laughs) proud she's a very proud Aquarius but I um I do think that I mean she self-identifies as someone who's like I don't think I'm like a pop artist or like an R&B artist I don't really identify with like any genre um and um yeah and I I just didn't realize she's like been active for this long but anyway um the other interesting example um, that I found was um, Ronda Rousey has her son in Aquarius too in the night. In this house. decade? Oh my second, god. And she is just like so um, you know years not, not I guess it was a long time ago I guess it, it's been years already where she was like the next big thing in UFC and Ultimate Fighting Champion. And she, um, she has a judo background. She was at constantly winning championships. And then like suddenly just had these like huge losses, um, where it, it literally broke her career. Like she was like, yeah, she like no longer has a career in UFC. And then she transitioned to WWE where, um, I, I don't, she's doing pretty well at, and people, I think thought so, it was just like a big kind of joke, um, that she kind of made this transition. Um, she, um, yeah she got that was that was a rough time for her but um you know on top of that too was also like when when she was still like in her heyday with UFC was like in movies you know she like had an appearance in like one of the Fast and Furious movies I don't know which one but mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah no she, Ronda Rousey has her son in that in the second
1: um wait uh let me see something Oh, Toni Morrison, she has her Mercury in this Deccan. And um, Mercury rules her second and fifth houses and it's in her 10th whole sign house. And I think it's interesting that um, she has her claim to fame of being this wonderful, um, I guess she was kind of this interesting like sort of um, ideological bridge between cultures. Because for a lot of of white people um, who engaged with her work and, you know, rewarded her for her work, she was able to, I guess, speak to certain elements of the African-American experience in a way that they probably weren't able to connect with. I mean, her intention was not necessarily to make white people feel better about themselves, but it just got them to engage with literature outside of their cultural framework, I guess. And I mean, it makes sense because she's a well, she was a well-rewarded author. And I think it's pretty telling that um, a lot of people with Mercury in the Stecken have a lot of really good like oratory skills, right? And her you know, career was being a writer And that's what she was known for. Um, And with Mercury being in its own, um, in its own decan, having triplicity. I mean, it's even nicer that um, Mercury is in the terms of Venus, which is in her ninefold sign house. And that's all about publishing, right? I think that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty telling. So... um, yeah don't sleep on planets that are in their own deccan. they kind of have weird superpowers especially when they're like configured to things that have to do with career it shows where some skill sets can come out
0: yeah no i mean yeah i think that's i think that's good um i know i remember like beloved got like one of the reasons i mean obviously beloved so it's like a really good book It like one Um, like multiple awards and but yeah it was just like one of these books too that was featured in like Oprah's book club back when like her show was just like doing this big book Mm -hmm. even further Um, but yeah she was um I mean she's quite a prolific writer actually like I had no idea she did like children's books as well on top of just the novels that she's written um but yeah no she um I I I think she's a great example for Mercury in that second Aquarius second
1: great I'm just going, I have so many charts, it's a problem. <laughs> I'm going through and seeing, like, which ones are, like, the most interesting. Um, a lot of my examples are literally third deck and it's making me mad. <laughs>
0: I I I mean I don't know if there's much else to just like add on the second deck in. I mean, well, did you want to talk about like, or is there anything you thought that was worth mentioning regarding to some of the imagery descriptions and like traditional texts on the second?
1: Oh, um, t- 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 where am I? I mean, I kind of see the whole like. Um, duality piece in some of the Yavanajataka Jataka descriptions. So one of them says that it's a competent person who is pale as honey and cream, whose eyes are large and brown. He's greedy and speaks loudly. So like, again, some of the oratory skills, but does much for his friends. Okay, yes, I'm this, but I'm also that. Um, he knows about sexual intercourse and humor and is fond of singing and dancing. So I guess there's some like weird performative talents that come about in this decade. it's interesting how it kind of is the opposite to leo too which is like the person who's just elevated just because right yeah um, <laughs> whereas it's like okay this person is like a jack of all trades i can do it all right mm-hmm.
0: um
1: and then yeah like It's just a person who has a lot of skills and resources, basically. Um, Like I like the Picatrix's description. So it's like a man like unto a king who values himself much and shuns those whom he sees. And this is a face of beauty and position of having that which one seeks of completeness of harm and weakness. So it's like, I mean, and then Agrippa's is better because there's a thing um it's like literally a man with a long beard so it's like the stereotypical sage person right and they go the signification of this belongeth to the understanding meekness modesty liberty and good manners so again like being able to orient oneself well in relation to others and that's the thing like gemini uh, gemini sorry Mercury, not gemini Mercury is clearly in shadow I mean, Mercury is very much, like, kind of the jack of all trades, master of some, and then knows how to, like, just kind of pull things out in the right contexts. And I think this shows with this in. and I think I like the Thoth description of the Six of Swords, because it's, like, I think the card's called Science, and people forget that Aquarius is very experimental, like maybe not necessarily like the first decan, which I would say out of all the Aquarius Deccans is probably the most like stereotypical weirdo, right? Yeah. This one's more, okay, how can I take what I know and transmute it into something else, yeah. right? Um, it's like building on a foundation and science is definitely all about that. It's like, okay, taking what I know and extrapolating from there yeah, Um, and how to exchange that with other people and i think that really shows with this decade more than others Mm -hmm. um do you have any other like good examples because i don't
0: i do not i'm ready for aquarius second three if you are
1: okay i am too
0: cool so, Aquarius second three. This one is ruled by the Moon and Venus, and this one, according, like Austin calls this Deccan the knot. And I've been trying to, like, honestly, I'm trying to still parse out why, but. Um, uh, in this, uh, uh, the tarot card associated with his decan is the seven of swords. And um, I think they're decans as a whole, right? They often tend to pose like a challenger question. And, you know, we we're talking about the second decans and the air signs, right? Is this being like mm-hmm. um, these dichotomies. I feel like the third decan then and in general but especially so in the air signs, it's like okay you gotta make a choice <laughs> and um yeah. with Aquarius though with Aquarius Deccan three it's like I tend to think like okay if the first couple of deccans were really about like especially with the second deccan being about just kind of like these dichotomies and just kind of like these different worlds and like that transition and navigating kind of through them um the third deccan Aquarius then ends up being kind of like okay like um, is the choice to just kind of accept that this is just like the realities like of the world, or is the choice to fucking do something about it, or is it like to leave? Is it like you keep criticizing the system? Like I think that's just kind of what the um this third deck in, in Aquarius can kind of tend to do. Um, I do think it's really fucking hilarious that Valentine's Day falls under this deck. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> what other holiday does incite so much love and hate like it really is just like that one holiday that people like clearly love because it's a celebration of love but also really kind of fucking hate
1: <laughs> yeah no that's 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 pretty funny because um, yeah and it's interesting because there are themes about like the difficulty of untangling yourself from certain I guess, ideas, practices, or commitments, because at the end of the day, Saturn is all about what you're committed to. You know, the, the constraints, whether they're like chosen commitments or like constraints that are imposed upon you. And I think Austin's choice of the knot is pretty telling because it's like, how can I untangle from disturbance? And if so, like, how can I milk a difficult situation? And you think of the stereotypical imagery on the Seven of Swords hard, where somebody's taking, they're sneaking away from the camp where people are distracted and they're taking the swords. Yes, they're putting themselves at risk, but like there might be something about the situation um, that you can extract from it. Um, And so I'm just trying to think, I'm looking at some of the other descriptions. And there, uh, there's a lot of, um, I guess, deceit that is implicated in some of the imagery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, somebody looking at what they can extract from a difficult situation, and so maybe there's a tendency for people in this Deccan to get themselves into some situations, and they kind of have to work around the negative consequences that come with it right so maybe we're playing with so I like to think of the movement through the decans as like a journey and it's the same thing when you move through the suits and tarot right and that middle stretch is like hmm <clears throat> you know I had to go off and do this weird thing because people rejected me right or like you know someone benefited at my expense and I'm left alone to like create unique things from that loss, right? And then it's like, hmm, this is where I was and let's go somewhere else that seems more promising, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, something about like the Seven of Swords situation or maybe even the Third Deccan is like, I took a gamble and it didn't pay off. Mm-hmm. And so how do I navigate the next steps or consequences of that?
0: Yeah. I think you know the seven of swords association with deceit and trickery I think what you know obviously when people like I think a lot of times when people think deceit they think of like you deceiving other people and that can be the case but when I think of just like the traditional imagery for this card right it's like someone trying to pick up like or already holding five swords and then looking back and looking at the other two and being like ah, like maybe I could pick up like two more right. And I, when I think of that, it's just like, that's the seat of your, like in some ways, I think a lot of this card can signify deceiving yourself, right, or just like also just like not being, like just really not being realistic in terms of just like what your like kind of capacity is. Um, I, In terms of examples, like I um, I think it's, um, yeah, I think this is what you were just sharing is like really interesting. Cause so Michael Jordan has his son in the eighth house in this decade and you know mm-hmm. obviously Michael Jordan just and always be remembered this is one of the greatest like basketball players of all time but at the same time like I think and I wonder if over time people will just kind of forget this but I, as someone who grew up in the 90s like I totally remember all the times he like retired from the NBA baseball like he was like a baseball player for like some time and obviously that didn't go very well for him there were just all these like interesting career transitions that like, he got like kind of pushed out of his first retirement was um, happened because a um, personal stuff. His father had passed away, and he just like his he mm-hmm. just, like, wasn't in it anymore. But there were a couple of his other retirements were fueled, um, or even just him leaving baseball and then going back to basketball and then leaving basketball again. Um, a lot of that's actually fueled by just some like worker issues. Like a lot of people don't realize, like or don't remember that professional athletes are still like workers and employees, and they had to work mm-hmm. eyes And there were just kind of stuff dealing with just like worker like lockouts and stuff that he got kind of caught in the middle of and um yeah so michael jordan's like one (laughs) example i found for like an aquarius
1: oh my god i just realized that um dr a he has um his son and mercury in the third decade of aquarius in his ninth house um i'm trying to figure out how that works for him because he didn't complete his education, right? Um, and so he actually just went on and continued with his rap career that he got um, successful with. And I'm trying to think because what else is Mercury doing in this chart? Like, I mean, it rules his ascendant, which is awesome, but... Um, I don't know. Has he like? I'm trying to like go through his bio, and I'm like, I don't really see much that's going on in terms of like, you know, spirituality or religion. But I mean,
0: huh? Yeah, I really want to
1: think about this one more. This is like- wait. There, I'm seeing that like he. There was a period where he wanted to take a break or something. Mm-hmm.
0: He's taken quite a few breaks, actually. Like Eminem has this like a whole ass song about like trying to get Dr. Dre out of retirement.
1: That's <laughs> actually really funny. Um <laughs> No, that's funny because like, I, I know a lot of people with like their deck Aquarius placements and there is this tendency to like start and stop things. Like there's this tendency to be like, hmm, this isn't um, panning out the way I want, but I wanna quit, but I've also invested so much into this, right?
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's like a really interesting take, um, like even just on the investment, right? Like a lot of like what Dr. Dre is known for nowadays is like, I mean, yeah, he, he, he was like a, he was a rapper himself, but like a lot of, the, he, he was a producer too. And he like mentored like a lot of his other rappers like with Eminem being probably like the most famous like example, like, and you know, it's like, and that it was a lot for him to really kind of put um, just like his name behind a white rapper.
1: Yeah, apparently, so I'm reading this thing about his work ethic, and apparently he's, like, an extreme perfectionist, and that's what a lot of people don't realize about um, signs that have a very either Saturn or Mercury-heavy influence, so, like, I would say Libra, Capricorn, Aquarius, and then, like, the Mercurials, um, Gemini, to a lesser extent, but more so Virgo, there's this perfectionism because it's like, you need to constantly refine things because Mercury's just constantly looking to tweak shit, right? Whereas Saturn's like, does this fit into a structure? I mean, Mercury doesn't need a structure, it just needs stuff to play with, right? Yeah. But Saturn needs structure. And like, if the structure isn't making sense, they'll get rid of it, right? And apparently, um, maybe part of the reason so someone wrote here in this wiki that like part of the reason that him and Eminem worked out so well was because of the same level of perfectionism and I think it's telling that Dre's Mercury who rules his Gemini rising (laughs) is in this decade and he's very you know and then it's it's combust by a sun that's you know rejoicing in the ninth so whenever he is able to like create the perfect thing it goes really well and it's well received but um
0: (laughs) damn i wish there was a confirmed birth time for eminem because he is an aquarius moon but because you know the moon
1: moves too fast are not
0: sure like if 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 he did have a 12 o'clock birth time he very likely had an aquarius 3 moon
1: but oh my god that that would actually be perfect for their synastry because then it, his um, moon would be on Dre's sun. And so that, that's why that would work. But um, apparently he's had acts like leave him because he's so perfectionistic. And like, he just has such rigid standards that like, he just has a hard time like seeing things through. Uh-huh which I think that in my experience of the Deccan, like just knowing people personally, I can definitely see that. Um, so I think I have a bunch of other like or Deccan examples, but they're all like moons, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I wanna hear more of your example. I didn't find too many other ones like, um... I think the only the only other one I found was Elizabeth Olsen has her son in the sixth house in this second, and mm-hmm. you know, she's she's an actress who's most well known now as her role in the Scarlet Witch in the Avengers movies, and now WandaVision's out, so she's kind of like back in the spotlight again. But regarding like this idea of like just kind of taking breaks or just really calling things a question, I thought it was really fucking interesting that she actually almost left acting completely because. Um, of when, so she, her older sisters are Mary-Kate and Ashley Olson, who got more famous mm-hmm. for her you know, whole house. And Mary-Kate, years and years back, got, was constantly like in the news and on tabloids because of her eating disorder. And yeah. Olson almost just left the business entirely because I think, um, like I could, I could presume that just seeing her sister just like battling this disease and then having it just be so, so public like really took a toll. I think it's really
1: interesting especially is that her son is in her sixth house yeah uh it's interesting that she mentioned that so um Gigi Hadid has her uh Aquarius moon in the third decan in the temple sign house wow. and I think it's interesting because um if anybody remembers her mom Yolanda used to be on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and before Gigi was ever like a huge model like I mean her IC is in cancer right and her mom was a model and I remember like Gigi was really into sports and she liked to eat and she liked other things but her mom was like be a model so I wonder how much of I I don't think it's that she didn't like modeling because she clearly did but like she had other interests that I feel like um maybe, like, some of that early pressure when she was a teen, and her mom was on this, like, show, like, you would see her, like, pressure her into, like, oh, like, if you're serious about modeling, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do that, right, and so I think that's pretty, it's pretty not subtle, and I wonder, like, if she, like, especially because she just had a kid now, right, uh, yeah. I if she's going to, you know, stick with modeling especially if family is more important to her but like you know she has all this stuff wrapped up in um she just has all this stuff wrapped up in you know modeling and you know her family is all in it and it's funny because she's gonna go into her um third house cancer perfection year this year so I'm wondering if themes around like "Mm, do I stay in this profession do I not? Because she might even find that like having a family is just more rewarding.
0: Yeah. I yeah, on that third um house cancer, right? That means then that her third house, which the third house signifies siblings, is ruled by that curious. Mm-hmm. And her also famous sister is Bella Hadid. And
1: brother. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: brother oh, God. Yeah, this yeah. Is a whole lot of famous family, right? But i i mean if i recall correctly i think bella got into modeling first and um and so i (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, yeah which is is ironic yeah (laughs) it is really ironic
1: (laughs) but like there's probably pressure on her to like be a model because it's like oh your sister's doing it i did it your brother's doing it and like the thing is for a while like Gigi was more popular than bella Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though it's probably not necessarily the route she wanted to go per se. I don't know.
0: Okay, I am looking, technically Gigi started it first because, um, but, but you know, she was two years old when she started it, which obviously means she had very little consent <laughs> per se in the start of her modeling career. Like Gigi did not come back into it until like 2011 and I'm sure again it was just because of this like her mom or just like even just kind of the whole family um I I mean Gigi is obviously like a model in her own right but um mm-hmm. I actually really um first learned about her because of her relationship with Zayn Malik
1: <laughs> I mean the only reason I knew about her was um I think Tumblr or something I can't remember I found out about her sister because she was dating um, the weekend. Weekend, yeah. We yeah like, oh my god.
0: Uh, and they both constantly just get mentioned in rappers' songs, not just the ones like they've dated, but
1: like. Yeah. Like, hold on. Um, wait. There are a lot of good, like, Moon in the Third Deccan examples, like Princess Diana. We come back to her chart. She actually has the moon in the um conjunct the south node. The moon rules her eighth house, not fun. Um, but I think that in this case, this is like the moon rejoicing here. Like, I think it's funny that the moon is rejoicing here. Another person who has this like similar setup is uh, Jenna Mar- Marbles. She has a third deck in um, Aquarius moon in the third house. And I think it's interesting how the planetary joy of the moon really comes through here. And I think this speaks to Diana's love-hate relationship with the public and the media, right? Mm-hmm. Like on the one hand, she was able to use the media to bring attention to important needs for people. And the moon is all about like nurturing that, right? But At the same time, this comes at the expense of her own privacy. And like, some would argue like it cost her her life, literally, because she was hounded by the press. Um, In the case of Jenna Marbles, like she recently quit YouTube because of um, some drama. Like, I can't remember which drama it was, but someone tried to cancel her or something, even though she had already like, I guess made herself, um, she'd already like apologized for a lot of things that she's done, but like, I guess someone, because we were canceling all YouTubers over the summer, like someone brought it back up. And um, I think she walked away from her huge following, even though she got a lot of endorsements. And I think it's funny because the eighth house is other people's finances. She gets a lot of endorsements and makes money through her channel that way. And I think in the case of Diana, like, you know, benefiting from, you know, being able to like bring awareness to charity and raise other people's money just by being visible in the public eye. And so on the one hand, um, this is a challenging placement because it's like, okay, I'm entangled in all this stuff. But I mean, you're seeing the moon in its own deck in, in these two people's charts and how, especially like in its own planetary joy and like how they've been able to leverage media and the use of, um, you know, like engaging with social networks to like either raise money for certain causes or just to like raise money to live. So I think that's pretty interesting
0: that is like really really interesting and yeah again like you're saying just kind of just this love beat with it too just like um yeah yeah I think that's that definitely encompasses Aquarius three I was trying to see if there's good examples of because this Deccan's ruled by the moon and by Venus depending on which um rulership order you use and I was trying to see if there's any good chart examples for like Venus and Aquarius in this like last second but I'm not I mean I'm just oh wait
1: wait, let me me pull up the astro research tool because somebody's got it
0: (laughs) I'm like yeah I'm looking too and I'm just like I don't I have I, I haven't seen anything stand out to me like quite yet but I that's the
1: thing it sucks because it's like where there are no like um celeb examples that you can think of I have plenty of like personal or client examples that I can think of, but I'm not going to disclose that. <laughs> um,
0: have you seen, like, like, because you've seen so many examples, have you seen this kind of, like, the themes or something where you maybe, like, without disclosing, of course, it's, like, super personal information? I
1: mean, yeah, like, I mean, I've seen, I'm trying to think of, like, a good one. I mean, I've seen it come up, like, with um, the Venus being angular. And, you know, when you have Venus angular in fixed signs and you have this Aquarius third deck in Venus, like you're thinking a lot about your entanglements and relationships. Like the relationship piece comes through, whether it's your role in relationships um, as a Taurus rising and like where that fits in your career or um, you're, you know, a Scorpio rising, and you're thinking about, okay, how does my relationship fit into where I want to live, or, like, you're an Aquarius rising, and you're thinking about, okay, like, what's my relationship to home and family, right, and where I fit in, Um, also, like, my appearance in relationship to my family, things like that, or if you're Leo rising, and, like, literally, like, okay, my reputation, but is this, but like my relationship isn't gelling. What do I do, right? So those are the themes that seem to come up a lot.
0: (laughs) I, okay, so I did find one example Um, and it's Muhammad Ali. He he has has Venus in Aquarius three in his seventh house. And he also has Mercury in the moon in Aquarius, but it's in Aquarius two. But his Venus retrograde is in the seventh house in Aquarius three. He's been married four times, and all of these marriages seem very, very tumultuous. Um, uh huh. A lot of accusations about abuse and infidelity and
1: uh huh, um, infidelity. Yep.
0: Yep. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, that is, (laughs) and this Venus, so, um, this Venus rules his Taurus 10th house, where his midheaven is, and where his Mars is, oh, and Saturn, too.
1: Yeah, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, like, um, what's it called? Certain elements of his career were not conducive to relationship, and that was part of the reason why. Some of this stuff. Mm. Yeah, Um, I'm trying to see if I can find other good examples, but that's actually a very good example of like what I was talking about, Angular, and it being tied in with relationships (laughs) regardless. (laughs) That was pretty loud and not subtle. trying to find people who were born like after 1980 because
0: after 1980 I know I was like looking at some of the earlier and I just like could not find any
1: other oh Eddie Redman like he he was in um what's that movie he's in a lot of movies but like the one that I remember the most is um fantastic beasts sorry it's just because we canceled oh, yeah. we canceled jk rowling <laughs> so
0: he was also in um wasn't he also in Le Zerab?
1: yes he was you're right yeah you're right um i'm just trying to see like what Deccan because i see people with aquarius venus but like which decan does that matter uh, no. He's a first Deccan, She's a first Deccan, She's a second decan.
0: I have one example I found. Um, not a re- Yeah, this is still another like an older person, but Aretha Franklin has Venus in Aquarius in that third decan in her fourth house, and. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I wish I could find better examples of like. I don't want people out there with a like, Venus and Aquarius and Decan three thinking all of their relationships are going to be tumultuous. But yeah, sure enough, Aretha Franklin was married twice. Um, both marriages were. Um, it sounds like yeah, no, they weren't good. Um, but the first one especially, like, definitely has like. Um yeah, there were cases of domestic violence. Oh my God. Um yeah, I hope I could. Well, see. I think
1: like so is is her like is Venus ruling her like relationship houses like five or seven
0: she's a a scorpio rising so yes her
1: um house taurus what what is um our okay so it's pluto aspecting is is um mars saturn because usually like if it's one of those then
0: she's got a pretty close square with her saturn and taurus and Mm. um the Mars is actually a trine but Mars is in her eighth house um and then Pluto mm. is um a whole sign opposition like it's a really wide orb but she does have that like Pluto and Leo opposing that Venus in Aquarius Oof. yeah it's a lot of oofs. um Oof. she's around the same gem- generation as Muhammad Ali so I think he has also like I mean he definitely has that Pluto and Leo too and then also that Saturn <laughs> in Taurus so um yeah I think that 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 definitely could explain um why yeah
1: yeah because that's like some serious maltreatment going on
0: yeah damn well I think I'm done looking for examples because this could just be a whole ass rabbit hole just trying to look for
1: no like I mean I'm not finding very many like celeb examples with um yeah Well, people could
0: people who are listening to this could chime in as well. Like you can like reply to our tweets about this or just kind of let us know, like if you have a Venus in Aquarius in the third decade or any other kind of just hard examples of just like how Aquarius, like your Aquarius. Oh wait,
1: wait, I found I found I found one more. I found one more. Josh Groban. Ah, okay. Um personal life. I mean, he hasn't had, like, dramatic relationships from what I've seen, but, like, he's been in multiple, and they all seem to last, like, three years at a time.
0: Yeah, not so. much is known about his, you know, like, a personal life in general. Like, his wiki is just completely empty about that stuff, and even just from, like, my... <laughs> Um, own his recollections and his hearing about him over the years. Yeah, I can't really think too much about, like, what I've heard about his relationship life. He's,
1: he's really private, Um, which makes sense, because he's a, he's, he's, you know, a Leo rising ruled by an eighth house Pisces. I mean, of course he'd be private, right? Like, yeah, but like, I don't want people to think, oh my god, you're going to have terrible, relationships because you know venus is in this decan of aquarius but i find that people with this more often than not regardless of if it's relationships in general you know the things that they find valuable or just the things that they want to indulge in i find that people with this placement venus in this particular decan like a lot of their themes around life you know, enjoying life or enjoying the company of others tends to, there's this need to work on, like, you know, what's worth getting entangled in? And it's like, how do I extricate myself from entanglements? The good thing about this Deccan is that when these people commit, they really commit, right? Like, and it takes, like, I would say it takes like really challenging forces to like get them to uncouple, right? Because I feel like there's a lot of thought and reflection that goes into what's worth coupling to, And, you know, thinking about Aquarius as an air sign because the air signs are human signs and humans communicate, right? At least more obviously than animals do. Like um, there's this need to really like refine and articulate, you know, what's acceptable in relationships. And I think that it can be really empowering for people with this Venus placement to, you know, use their consciousness of this fact, like, to help people articulate their own relationship needs, but to also, like, find what's valuable. And just going back to the depictions of the Seven of Swords, like, there's an element of taking what you can get from difficult situations, um. and I think that people with this um, Venus placement are very good at doing that. They're able to extract the joy out of something that sucks, mm-hmm. even if they can't like get out of it right away. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, the more I look at, like, Josh Grob, I, I, I dig a little bit more past his, like, Wiki, and I didn't realize he dated, like, so many famous people, but, I mean, from, at least just from what we know, right, again, he's, like, we don't really, really know what happened, but it seems like most of his relationships ended pretty amicably and mutually, like, doesn't seem like there was any, like, kind of big drama. Um, Does seem like he's still with his current partner, and it seems like mm-hmm. that relationship's been lasting for, like, years. Now yeah. I'm confused about whether they're married or not. Um, it doesn't really kind of seem like, huh? Um, like they yeah, are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's Josh Groban.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um, no, I really liked going through like the different examples, and I guess if you want to look at how the different planets play out. Like whenever Austin can publish the new edition of 36 Faces, because I know he did this in his old one, um, he actually goes through like how the planets express themselves in each of the decans. But I think we wanted to focus on like, you know, the sun, the moon, and then like whatever planets, you know, are ruled, the decans ruled by um I know we didn't get to cover it earlier but like there are lots of good examples of how Saturn in the first in plays out and how I've seen that in my clients is that um there's just this need to like really commit to ideas and principles that not everybody is on board with and some of you first Deccan um aquarius saturns that were born in like the early 90s who have that opposition with jupiter like there's this power struggle between like you know having the freedom to showcase the best parts of yourself um because it's funny because that jupiter is in the first decade of leo which is saturn ruled so it's like saturn is like saying, hmm, go do your own weird thing." But Jupiter's like, "I have this keen awareness that if I try to like be my bold self, even though I'm supported since Jupiter has triplicity there, there's still some scrutiny, right? And you can't just like let it all out at the wrong time, right? There's a there's a performative element there. And I feel like a lot of you 1991s might struggle with that. And you might find that the next like I want to say, year is about really learning how to live in that space, um, and how that affects like the Saturn ruled parts of your life, as well as as well as the Jupiter ruled parts of your life. For those of you who have that opposition.
0: I think those are oh god, those are really good points, like especially the point on Jupiter too. And it is gonna be really interesting. Like, I mean, just the fact that it's not only Saturn and Aquarius now, but it's Jupiter and Aquarius Mm -hmm. as well. And um, but Jupiter's gonna move so fast through Aquarius. Like, we're gonna get Jupiter and Pisces in May already for brief time because Jupiter will go back into Aquarius, Mm but um yeah it'll be interesting for some of these like Saturn and Aquarius folks but especially like as you're saying like the first second Saturn and Aquarius folks because you you all are going to be getting or some of you are going to be getting your exact Saturn return like at some point um, yeah in the next year or so but um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what that May through like July period will be for those folks when Jupiter exits out pretty briefly and you're just getting like just like that Saturn Mm -hmm.
1: No, for sure. And I think that it's nice because, like, you guys are going through at least the first decades, especially those who were born, like, in that particular stretch of 1991. I can't remember what months off the top of my head, but um, you have that tight opposition with Saturn and Jupiter. Um, I think that with Jupiter opposing your natal Jupiter, it's kind of it's like a weird meeting of the Saturn and Jupiter cycle in your life, right? Like and so you might find that this is a period where you know maybe like you kind of have to push back on some of those like needs around expansion because the nice thing is that even though Jupiter isn't like the main triplicity lord in air signs, it still has triplicity there. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, a different kind of support for, like, the expansion that you want. Maybe it's not as much as you'd hope, but there's room to focus on, like, really leaning into the weirdness or embracing that which isn't normative, because sometimes it's better not to be, right? Mm
0: -hmm. I get a sense, too, that some of what Jupiter and Aquarius can bring for folks is, um, like, yeah, maybe it won't be, like, kind of the opportunities you're thinking or just, like, what you would, yeah, or just kind of, like, typically expect. It could even just be, like, shifting your perspective and Mm -hmm. finding new opportunities, like, in that way, like, and that it may not come in the form that, like, you're quite expecting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all I have for the Deccans. I mean, this is pretty fun and... We're basically gonna do something like this for literally all the 12 signs so
0: so yeah Pisces next we'll do Pisces next for Pisces season yeah well cool. well thanks Mo thanks for talking to me. I had a lot of fun too me too cool. thank you oh <laughs> great thanks everyone bye
1: bye